Welcome to Drunk on Comics. In this special edition, Anthony, Linz, and myself all had the opportunity to interview Dirk Manning for the umpteenth time. We got some cool stories of behind the scenes of what it's like to have a writer go to multiple conventions throughout the year, as well as trying to get Kickstarter exclusives as well as what goes into a campaign. Now he has one out for the Tales of Mystery, but we'll let the man of the hour talk more about that towards the end. So with that, grab a cold one or whatever your beverage of choice is and enjoy Drunk on Comics podcast, another interview with Dirk Manning. said okay i'm here and then i called you literally <laughs> called exactly as i clicked the call button so i'm sitting there i'm thinking he's not answering he just said he was here what's the problem uh, and so it begins <laughs> i returned to drunk on <laughs> it turns out i was the jerk the whole time just listening to the ringtone like yeah not gonna pick up it was a uh, legit dance party up in here yeah that's fair. I, 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 is it like that do, do, do? Yes. Yes. Do, do. Yeah, that's what I had for you guys. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think I had like a custom one or anything like that. How dare you? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> how dare us? We didn't, I can't update it on my laptop and then couldn't get into it. So we had to use Anthony's uh, little Skype thing. And I have a habit of tablet. just staring at people while they call me and dancing, but never answering. <laughs> apparently. I can tell. <laughs> Hey, we're here now, and that's what counts. Yes. yes. Thank you for getting together on a off day to uh, to chat. I appreciate it. Well, it's been a a while. Like we like over a year. No, I think I want to say a year and a half because I know a year ago around this time was Grand Rapids Comic Con, and we did kind of our fun little quick uh, five right. minute interview. And I know at Motor City. Not only last year, but even the year before, I think we did something like that, too. Well, Hope- last year we didn't because I was... Oh, by the way, are we on the air? Are we recording? Yeah. Okay, Never and always, sure. just assume. I figured. I just <laughs> want to make sure. Yeah. Uh, last year... Hi, everyone. Okay. Uh, last year I was... Because I was going to tell you all the good stories. We weren't even recording. I would just wait. You know, but... Uh, <laughs> No, last year I was um, the keynote speaker for SourcePoint Press oh, for right. the Diamond Retailer Summit. So although my presence may have been felt at Motor City, my body was uh, was somewhere else. Mm-hmm. See, that's what I thought. But I had uh, Charles, it was his first con, and I kind of had him do most of the interviews. And to be honest, there's so many people there that right. I felt like you were there, but then obviously, yeah, you weren't. Nope. So it, No, it, and that's, yeah, that, that's fair. And Motor City, you know, it's like, oh. Hometown show for me, so it was uh, the first time in a long time I, I had not been there. But um, you know, when that stuff came up with Source Point Press and, and and me kind of I guess becoming officially part of that crew, and then when Travis McIntyre, uh, despite any better judgment he had, said, "I want you to be the keynote speaker and address all the retailers." <laughs> 
it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> but then it being Motor City, it's funny because when you originally asked me, uh, and, and it was, uh, yeah, if I thought it was Motor City weekend, I'm like, nope. And then I called them back like five minutes later, and I'm like, ah, okay. Because you're right, if not me, who? Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> who? If I don't do it, someone's going to do it. So it might as well be me. So, uh, no, so, it was, uh, I, I missed Motor City. I look forward to being back this year. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, it's been a while, and I've been meaning to uh, contact you, but then you have been a very busy person. Uh, for the last, uh, how many? Lifetime? Show- yeah. For your last lifetime, I think? You've been very busy. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. And and this year, especially, you know, everyone's posting on, like, Twitter or whatever that, what have you done in the last decade? And I'm like, God, what have I done in the last year? I mean, you <laughs> know, it's like all, this, like all the all this stuff you've accomplished, you know, yeah. and in the last year or two especially has been just... Um, really just exponentially busier. You know, I've always printed myself on, on, on staying busy and, you know, um, not talking about it, being about it, you know, with, whether it be book releases or with touring or touring it, but that's become touring and book releases. And whether it be with, you know, uh, Twisted or, you know, the Mystery Omnibus and Mystery volume four and then the harp twins and then free comic book day with hope and then cthulhu jr for uh you know halloween comic fest and uh the twisted kickstarter now the reomnibus kickstarter it's just and then all the tours i just did this nine to five tour hey how's bragging camp going (laughs) (laughs) well the thing you know it's funny because it's not bragging it's just well, it's I just mean, your reality, and it's, it's, it's just work. It's just reality, right, you know. I, 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 that might sound worse. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Listen, I I'm mean, a big deal, and I can't help it. It's just what it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> is it, 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 you know. Well, when you're busy, you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, Remember what podcast you're on? You can totally say that. <laughs> that's why I thought about it. I'm like, wait, I know where I am. No. You know, but it, you do, you do, perhaps inadvertently, uh, make a good point that, you know, I'll talk about all the stuff I've had going on, and people are like, "Oh, well, you're bragging or whatever." But I'm like, I'm not bragging. It's just like you, like, 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 it's my reality. I mean, this is just what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. it's work, and it's hard work, and it's fun. It's it, I, I, I'm very fortunate to do this, but um, it, it's interesting that. I guess my 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 place and my perspective has shifted so much that you're right. Like even when when I first met Drunk on Comics was at uh, Detroit Van Fair 2012. Yep. You know, um, I had a couple books out. I did a couple shows a year. To now doing like nine shows in nine weeks and five states and five book releases and you know Kickstarters and all this stuff and working with multiple publishers. You know. Um, it's just you. You make an interesting point. How and I was only just busting your chops about Dan Burton, right? <laughs> you know, but, but uh, for the record, but um, it is, it's just weird how I guess when you step outside of it, and yeah, it looks like oh, I'm a big deal. I'm doing all this stuff, <laughs> but really, it is just my reality. It's like this is just where I'm at. This is what I've been working for for 
you know, almost 20 years, you know, to get to this point. And, uh, do you it's see yourself slowing down at all anytime soon? Or are you thinking the pace is going to maintain for a while? You know, I vowed to myself that in 2020, I was going to do no more than 20 appearances. Okay. And that's still a lot, mm-hmm. you know, don't get me wrong. But like, if I go do a free comic book day at um, Pagrant Comics, which I do every year, that's one. You know, Motor City, that's two. Cherry Capital, that's three. Then you got C2E2, New York, uh, possibly San Diego, definitely Emerald City. That's eight right there. You know, I mean, 20 can go quick, especially yeah. with my type of schedule. Um, <laughs> do you know how many you, you did this year? Oh, you know what? That's a good – I have to go back and do a final count. That's I've been meaning to do that, and, and that was because I just got off the road mm-hmm. this past week with the Grand Rapids Comic Con. Grand Rapids Comic Con, you know, that puts me in nine already. Um, I'm going to go check right now. We'll, we'll, we'll check at DirkManning.com. And again, that's crazy too. It's like I have to go look at my website to see how many shows I've done. Because... <laughs> You're like, if I can just survive this week, then I can look on the website to see what I did later. I, I won't have to remember it, but – <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because like even this nine to five tour, I did nine shows in nine weeks. Like I said, in five states, five book releases. So nine to five. I thought it was, and it looked. I think I was telling Tony at the show, it looked great on paper. Mm-hmm. Like this summer, when I kind of started to plan all this out, I'm like, oh my god, because a couple of years ago now, I did that twenty four shows or or twenty four appearances in eighteen weeks, and it was a record that no one really touched for a long time. And um, it just got to the point, and I'm like, you know, maybe maybe it's time for people to kind of remember who I am. And mm-hmm. maybe it's time to do something really kind of kind of intense again. And, uh, again, this just looked really good on paper. And by, like, week four, I'm like, what am I doing to myself? I feel like you've positioned yourself to be where, you know, every current millennial is thinking – oh, I'm going to make these plans two months out for a single party. And then that party day shows up and they're like, I really just want to stay home. You're like doing the condensed version too, where you're like, I'll make all these beautiful plans. I'll go to these shows, do the book releases. It'll be a wild night. And then like you said, week two, week four, you're in, you're like, this was a terrible idea. And now I've committed to all of these things. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not that's not wrong. Uh, I've done 22 so far this year. Wow. What you say so uh, far? You still have some planned? (sighs) (laughs) I I haven't announced it officially yet. Um, Well, one of them I have. I'm doing Black Friday at you know with the Chris Brown of the Comics More Madison Heights for the uh, variant cover release of Hope Number Six. So it'll be 23. And uh, a buddy of mine, my friend uh, Ken, who does Cinema Wasteland over by Cleveland, is doing a one-off one-day horror show. And uh, in December, so I agreed to do that. So that puts me at 24. Uh, and it should have been 25, but I had some uh, familiar uh, family issues come up um, that I had to cancel Dragon Con, or I would have had 25 shows this year. So I landed at 24. That's that's like half your weekends of <clears throat> the whole a year. year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it means every other weekend I'm on the road. Wasn't there, but, but, a few years ago, didn't you do, like, I feel like you were on the road for, like, 37 weeks or something like that? What yeah, was, that it, was the, um, 
the 24 shows in 18 weeks. Yes, yes. Now that's insane. <laughs> that was nuts. And, and again, that was but and that was a little bit condensed. And it wasn't 18 straight weeks, I don't think. I'd have to go back and look. But it was over 18 weeks. I did 24 appearances. So I did some store, I did store signings, conventions, things like that. It was it was insane. But again, that's like with this nine to five thing, doing nine shows in nine weeks in five states, you know, and then having five books drop during that time. And during this tour, you know, uh, I did, I mean, New York Comic Con was part of that, you know, uh, uh, you know, it was like Michigan, Ohio, New York, Illinois, and uh, Florida. You and Michigan, the, mid, the entire Midwest and, and Florida. Florida. Well, I guess that's the other Michigan state for <laughs> all of us that fly down well, there in the winter. York, I don't know. Is New York Midwest? I don't know. You know, it's like, but it's crazy. Yeah, because basically I dipped up into Michigan over into New York, down into Florida, and kind of back up again, just kind of ran that ran that corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, it was insane. It was it was nuts. And I'm not getting any younger, but... Uh, what? <laughs> I heard yeah, that I you age backwards, much like Dorian Gray. Somewhere there's well, a... you know, I do. Ice really? cream is my picture. Right, I just <laughs> eat ice cream, but... Getting younger. It's all that clean living. He um, was getting into I the actually, bus and he was like, No, the portrait. Look at. Right. <laughs> no, triple scoop, triple scoop. <laughs> I actually, um, in all seriousness, not to pull back the curtain too much, but I actually physically trained to do that kind of those shows like that. Hmm. Uh, because you have to get in shape. Because what's going to happen is when you're on the road like that, even if it's just weekends, oftentimes I was going pretty much from show to show for the most part and you're eating road food, you know, and you know, it's like you could only eat clean on the road so much. I don't really like working out at shows, you know, and hotels and things like that. It's just because to me, then you end up getting more, you get, you run the high risk of getting sick, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, So you end up like gaining a little bit of weight and stuff like that. And and you just, and, and the, the stamina, you know, standing on your feet on concrete for, eight hours a day have to get up an hour or so early to go set up and get ready. And then, you know, afterwards you go eat late at night and then you go do some networking or whatever. Um, so it's a, it's a marathon to do this stuff. You know, um, again, I'm very fortunate to do it. I'm not complaining at all, but again, it comes back to the whole, Oh, I'm such a big deal. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm really just busting my ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing, Put but it's time. cool. You can you can be a big deal and still bust your ass. <laughs> Those two I'll, things I'll can take, be congruent to each other. I'll, I'll, ultimately, it's up to other people what a big deal I am or not. But having books out with Twisted this year and the Harp Twins and Hope with Kaylin Smith and it was you know I haven't had a chance to really look back yet. But having the free Comic Book Day book and the Halloween Comic Fest book was pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, and especially working with Source Point Press, who, you know, I mean, I've been with Image Comics, I've been with Devil's Due, you know, I, I've worked with other publishers here and there. But I always kind of felt like, in a way, I was like the people's champion, kind of like, I was like the... The rock the, of uh, comics? <laughs> well, well, the rock of the publishers, to be specific. Yeah. Yeah. They knew I was out there. They knew I was grinding. They knew I was busting ass. But I was never the one they put the strap on. You know, 
the strap is in the belt. Okay. Yeah, and you, right. I wish you could have seen Linda's face. She's the only one in here that goes like, what the hell? She's like, yeah, interesting. Go on. I think you can yeah. hear it. That is, that is the wrestling I was just talking about. You know, they never, you know, they never put the belt on me and never really gave me that super push because, for whatever, for any litany of reasons. And, um, but off, well, I know the reason. It doesn't matter. But then what ends up happening is when I come to Source Point, you know, and they not only signed their first book in the superhero genre with Hope, but then made it the free comic book day book and then turned around. And I actually didn't want Cthulhu Jr. to be the Halloween Comic Fest book because I wanted someone else to have it. But it just ended up kind of being and I'm not being funny. I'm just being real. But it just ended up was the perfect book for it. It was an all ages spooky book. You know, uh, last year for Halloween Comic Fest, they did Monstrous with Greg Wright, but you didn't want to necessarily do Monstrous twice. You want to kind of diversify. So I ended up falling into having Free Comic Book Day and Halloween Comic Fest, which which was cool. You know, and, and it was cool, not, not from an ego standpoint. I mean, again, I'm off the road. I'm trying to key down a little bit here. I can joke around about, you know, the, the oversized persona and the ego and stuff. But, but at the end of the day... I, I don't put value in that. I put value in the quality of the work, you know, and, but that being said, again, it was cool to have a publisher say, look, we know what we do. we recognize your hustle. We recognize your grind. We recognize the caliber of these books with the creators you're working with. We're going to put this on front street because we believe that this will be like the face of the company this year, or in my case, the half a face, I guess. <laughs> well, that's, that's something that, uh, Anthony, uh, being new to uh, Drunk on Comics here, uh, bringing them around Grand Rapids Comic Con and introducing them to, you know, friends of the show and everything and friends in real life uh, and explaining kind of you and, and the persona of you and how back in the day, like, it was a big deal of no showing face and you've been a little more okay with it in some pictures, sometimes, you know, obviously. Usually just videos. Usually just videos. Yeah, I, I still like to do it in pictures mainly because I'm ugly, but <laughs> I, I realized early on that when Facebook was really pushing video content and it allowed you a much higher engagement rate with your fans, wow, that was horrible. Not with your fans, with, with people that wanted to watch you, with your readers, with your friends, things like that, or with celebrities with their fans. Um, I realized that I really couldn't talk with like a book in front of my face for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, when does the gimmick run you? Yeah. You know? yeah. And you don't uh, want to turn into Wilson. You still got to have an identity. Oh, right. Exactly. And, and you know, it's like, I don't wear a top hat and a scarf in real life either. You know, <laughs> no, so, never, never seen that ever. <laughs> so what, what happened was when I started doing the video stuff, it, it was just, you know, it, it was a chance to kind of connect on a real level with people. But yeah, pictures, I still keep myself covered. I don't want to break any cameras or anything like that. And again, you know, it's, you'll never break a vape thing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, one thing uh, that I'm just curious about when you said you were in Florida, I know your wardrobe, it's pretty simple. Uh, Yeah. But it's, I prefer classic. Okay. Yeah. Yes. uh, Noir even. (laughs) And Florida's kind of hot. Do you have some like special, like, shorts and like maybe black on black Hawaiian t-shirt that you might have wore. 
you know, I always <laughs> joked when I was 50, I was going to become like the Chuck Dixon of horror writers and wear nothing but Hawaiian shirts, but they were all going to be like black with skulls on them or <laughs> yeah, octopuses or whatever. But point being, I'm not 50 yet. And, uh, no, so for, for, for Florida, I was in, uh, I went down to, I was invited as a guest to Spooky Empire, uh, which is a, a pretty large horror convention. And what was interesting was they invited me in mainly as a, a panelist. Um, so I didn't have a table in Artist Alley per se, but rather I had my books done at the creator table by the panels. And what I kind of figured out pretty quick was there was no need for me to be at the table all day or conversely even be at the show all day, which was good because, you know, I was getting ready to launch the, the re-campaign and things like that and things would be crazy. So after the first day, I just realized I had to show up when it was time for my panels. Um, the hotel was, you know, a five minute walk, you know, over to the, to the convention center. So like, let's say like the one, uh, one day I had like a panel at like two o'clock. Okay. Walk over at one o'clock, walk over the bridge. No big deal. Bada boom, bada bing. Walk outside for five minutes. There you go. It's Florida <laughs> on the bay. It was 90. <laughs> and you were in all black. <laughs> in a suit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, and... I ended up like, st- staying in the con later just till it got cool and I could walk back a little bit. Dirk, I'm like, Dirk Manning sweats in Michigan, so like I can't imagine what the level of sweat going on in Florida would be. Dirk Manning soup. <laughs> it was, well, luckily, like, Within a minute of my hotel, between the hotel and the convention center, there was a gelato place. So I could get, like, gelato to try to cool down. That didn't even matter. <laughs> you know, and the other thing that's funny is, even if you take off the jacket, you know, and just, like, walk, I'm in a black dress shirt and black pants, and I'm walking over this bridge in Florida, and people are, you know, looking at me like, who's this asshole? <laughs> <laughs> who's the weird goth guy walking across the bridge? But, that, but then I noticed people started, like, walking around me. But then I started to realize they thought it must have been, like, a gangster or something. Because, you know, I was right by, uh, was it, Wyber over there, which is, like, you know, like, Cuban Town or something. I thought, maybe they think I'm a gangster or something. You know, like, you know, some, uh, you know, I, I'm too pale to be, like, Cubano, per se, you know, for the most part. But, you run you know. the books for the local chapter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that here's the real that... question. Did you formulate an entire story around this idea after you thought of it is there a book already written in your head about this <laughs> about being in florida in a suit or being a gangster being a gangster <laughs> in florida well, in a suit <laughs> i don't have to write that story because it actually happened to me years ago in new york and i don't know if i've ever told this story publicly okay. um the first year or two i went to new york comic-con i stayed with my uh, a friend who lived in brooklyn and where he lived, I had about a 10 or 15 minute walk to the train. And then you take the train and you hop a train or two, whatever, you get over the Javits, you know. And in my first year or two doing New York, um, you know, New York's a very expensive show to do, you know. Um, so I stayed with him saving money and I wouldn't have to pay for a hotel and things like that. And I'll never forget, it was on a Sunday morning. And on Sundays, I had to take a different train. So I had to go farther. So it was about a 20, 25 minute walk. Not a big deal. When I'm at cons, the one saving grace I have is that I, I especially bigger shows like New York or wherever, Chicago, Seattle, uh, I'll walk everywhere. Motor City, you really can't walk anywhere. You walk yeah. in the parking lot and that's yep. it. You know? <laughs> so 
I got my my bank on me and stuff like that for Sunday. And uh, I'm I'm walking to the train, and it's Sunday morning, like, and I want to say it was about an hour drive, hour ride in by the time I was sitting done. So let's say for argument's sake, it's like eight eight thirty in the morning. Brooklyn, whatever. Brooklyn's very gentrified. Brooklyn's very nice. And I'm getting close to the train station, and this guy, this young Turk, starts coming down the stairs for the train, and he's made. You can just tell looking at him. You know, the, the short hair, the jacket. I mean, this guy's made. And he's walking right at me. Mm. No one's around. It's 8.30 on a Sunday at the train station in this little removed part of Brooklyn. There's no one around. It's him and I. And he's walking right at me. Now, my natural reaction is one that anyone would have. Shit. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I'm going to get jumped. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like, I mean, he's coming right at me. I mean, and, and this and this is going to be like, and he was an ice cream man. No, this was a fucking gangster. I mean, this <laughs> was a gangster. So here I am in my black suit, you know, stuff like that. My, my, my bank on me for the show. Not, not a ton, but enough that I wouldn't want to lose it, nor do I want to get stabbed to death yeah. and bleed out in the middle of a uh, fucking, you know. That uh, would be uh, bad. Street Brooklyn. No, yeah. And he's walking right at me. And I'm walking. And at this point, I couldn't even, like, alter course because he got off these steps in a way that it was like, if I would have ran, it would have been obvious. I mean, you're, you're kind of like deadlocked. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Was it like uh, uh, not the Lorax? Uh, who are the two Dr. Seuss guys that like run into each other and won't move? Oh, the immovable. Yeah, who the hell were they? Well, that's what we were like. I mean, we're going right at each other. And I don't know why or how I thought of this, but he's, I mean, 10 feet in closing. And I just look up at him and I kind of gave him like that one cocked eyebrow. I just go, or no, no, sorry. I like, he looks at me. And he goes, Paisan. And I don't know where this came from, but I'm convinced it saved my life. I just said, how you doing? And he tilted just ever so slightly. And we walked by each other. And he went on his way. And I went out right up those stairs. And I'm like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> my heart. But I'm convinced seeing a couple episodes of The Sopranos. <laughs> or to be more specific, Big Cass from WWE <laughs> saved my life. Because when he, cause he's like, because he kind of like he was he was kind of like making me he was like paisan like how you doing yeah how you doing <laughs> but it, it was the most gangster thing i've ever said he's like paisan like how you doing <laughs> and that was it and he tilted and we just walked right by each other and, and and mind you i was ready to go i was convinced to see i mean i was convinced if that didn't work when he walked past me he was gonna turn around and shank me or something mm-hmm. and i was ready and it would have been hands like ex- registered weapons or something don't you have like a triple quadruple black belt? I am not a quadruple black belt, <laughs> but I I'm second degree. Okay, you know. it's whatever. That doesn't make you bulletproof. It doesn't make you knife proof. Yeah, um, that's true. My bad. You can't kill me. I have a black belt. <laughs> right, right. But but I mean I I know more about self defense than a lot of people. You know, I mean, whatever. And I'm not, again, not being braggadocious. It's like I put in over 10 years. I should. You know, I trained three times a week, hours at a time. Other people are playing fucking video games and watching Netflix or, like, hanging out with their friends, and I was in a dojo training. So, whatever. You You almost got to use it, though. This was your chance. I mean, 
You, yeah. you probably turned down your one chance to finally use your skills for good. And I don't think that well, was his only This was chance. not my one chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, because really when you look at martial arts, martial arts, ultimately, good martial arts is about not having to be a sheep among the wolves. Mm-hmm. And part of my, my training is what saved me that moment because had I not been confident enough to know, okay, if he has a knife... And the way he was walking, I'm like, he's right-handed. I could just, you could tell by the way people move and stuff like that, which means he's probably going to pull the knife from his right, and if it's his back pocket. So I was like literally doing like that. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I had it lined up, and like, so he'd probably come in and stab. So if he does that, you do this, you do the sidestep, and you hook behind the arm, and, you know. I still don't want to be in that position. <laughs> you know, you, know you, you you still don't, but I, I was ready for it to go down if I had to. And, and I'm not even saying I, I, would have, I would have walked away from it, you know. But um, the gangster voice, the gangster look, and the then the martial arts background training. Saved your life. Saved it did. It did. It saved my life. It made me pass as a gangster. And, and four uh, episodes of The Sopranos as well. <laughs> and Forbes, that's Sopranos, and Big Cass's uh, trademark saying. Well, but all that being said, I, I should I should preface all by saying one thing. If I was in the in the mafia, of course I would say there is no mafia, mm-hmm. and I'll just leave it at that. And then the twist <laughs> at the end of the story is Dirk's really the person that was walking towards this person <laughs> that was scared to death. <laughs> He's telling it in reverse perspective. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, That's how he knows so much would... about what the person with the knife and the gangster style was doing. Right, right. Because to Lindsay's point, I wouldn't need a knife. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> this man's walking towards me with fists out. <laughs> in knife formation. Well, you brought up... I am an open hand. I'm an open hand fighter. I always have been. I don't like making fists. There's a lot more you can do with an open hand. Sorry, don't get me started on martial arts. That's a whole different topic. Well, I want to get you started on wrestling to piss off Linz, (laughs) because I know that she won't want to talk about it, but you brought up Big Cass, so it was making me uh, reminisce about... I was poking the bear. Yes, yes, because here's the thing. Out of all the Drunk on Comics people, I think uh, Derek Ray, uh, young Derek, was the only other person that really ever watched, and I know Derek Becker always kind of groaned and like kind of switched off because he never watched it it wasn't a thing lynn's same thing uh anthony do you yeah anthony doesn't watch wrestling I played either. a couple wrestling games back in the early 2000s that's about it but there are a lot of there are a lot of people that read comic books that also like wrestling it's, right I, they're very similar they're very similar mm-hmm. and so have you during all your uh you know travels and everything have you been able to watch any of the wwe or do you still watch it or have you watched any other promotions I, I still watch wrestling. Um, WWE is just not in a good way right now. No. Um, even with, and again, I'm saying you got you, you know my mantra's always been promote the positive. But I, I will say just because I'm being asked that I really enjoy the NXT invasion angle of WWE, but overall I, I've not been a fan of the booking of what they're doing or anything like that with WWE. I will say that being said, uh, AEW is just in fuego right now. AEW is on fire. Um, is it the best wrestlers in the world? No, but it's engaging. It's entertaining. 
The matches are incredible. Uh, I haven't watched this week's AEW yet, but I will say the pay-per-view, that Kenny Omega, John Moxley match, the Cody Rhodes, Y2J match, or sorry, Chris Jericho. I don't think he can be Y2J anymore. Yeah. Um, it just, it, the like storyline seemed to make sense. Like, <laughs> in the sense yeah. of, there's a lot of stuff that's going on with WWE, like, knowing uh, full well, like, with the NXT invasion, which was cool, that SmackDown where uh, most of their people were stuck in Saudi Arabia still, was an incredible, yeah. one of the first times that, that non-NXT uh, branded show was amazing, but it was because of NXT. And of NXT, and because they, they, and because they couldn't do what they were supposed to do. Yeah, and yeah, they had to kind of free flow, let the wrestlers kind of dictate wrestle. what the story should be. Yeah, and wrestle. <laughs> and but the thing is, though, there's been so many times where the writing just goes out the window, and some you know feuds just go nowhere. And I'm liking the NXT invasion angle, but they're making them look so strong that it it makes just Raw and SmackDown people look like why are they even on TV? Well, well, and that's it. And it's like, oh, you're telling me that Triple H is booking someone that he likes to look strong? Wow, that's new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you like, know, but I mean, you're, you're right. And they, and they have to because NXT is like the little brand that could. And you're right. It's like when they want one of the NXT teams to fail, they put like the, the, the British tag team against the War Raiders, you know, or something like that. And it's like, Jesus, come on. Yeah, these guys together are 150 pounds and the War Raiders eat sandwiches that are 150 pounds. You know, but um, yeah, it's just uh, NXT is good too. I, I still enjoy NXT a lot, but AEW right now really has my attention. I was a big Lucha Underground fan when that was on too, though. Um, you know, just just something more long term storytelling that NXT really enjoys. Uh, the the storytelling, the world building that AEW is is doing right now is uh, is where the action is. I, I've pretty much. Sorry, Eric Gutierrez, if you're out there listening to this, but I, I'm trying real hard with TNA Impact. Um, it's just not the company it was, you know. So to me, AEW and uh, NXT are the two that tickle my fancy the most right now. Yep, and I and just the biggest thing with uh, AEW, the wrestlers seem to just be having fun, which is Absolutely. they're employees, and it's good that those employees are having fun where. I don't think people at WWE like I'm. I don't know for sure, but I just I know Luke Harper is going to have another six months added to his contract uh, for whatever reason, and I know that he wants to get out of there. And that's the ongoing joke in squared circle. But well, the stuff they're doing with like Rusev and Lana, and I don't want to get too lost in the sauce on this. Oh yeah, none of these words make sense, you guys. I've read we'll all get these back words to comics, before. Sorry, but I mean, like Luke Harper, they bring him back for a minute and then they they buried him again. Uh, Rusev and Lana, this thing going on, just to, it's just humiliating. I mean, on a on a on a, on a level of personal professional integrity. Yeah. Uh, the the, the uh, Harper and Gallows, they shot them to the moon for a minute. Then they started burying them. Now they're the best tag team in the world again. And it's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. You know, these are all people that wanted to go to AEW. And they got, I, I suspect, got lured back one way or another or couldn't get their contract. And now they're just playing yo-yo with them. And, you know, it sucks to be a smart, or at least enough of a, of a smart to kind of know what's going on. But I just want to be entertained. 
but it comes back to the comic thing and the crossover. I just want a good, entertaining story that's ultimately about good versus evil. And that's really what I want to watch. That's you know, what that's I love all. reading. I really, really like reading good versus evil. Really like reading it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What you did there. <laughs> <laughs> really like it. We're going to pull I back really to. might have just the book for you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the real reason. Let's me hit record now and start this show. <laughs> wow. Hold on. I need to go get a couple drinks. I'll be here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Where's my burners? But, uh, yes, I mean, one of the things I love uh, with you, Dirk, is we can talk about anything and everything, and it's always entertaining, and we could tell stories left and right, here till there, but really, you have another Kickstarter going. I do. Another one. Uh, you just ended one and immediately started another one. Yeah, you know, and, and again, therein lies a tale, uh, and, and again, another example of me being a, a true soldier, I guess. Um Let's back up to last May when I was not at Motor City, contrary to what uh, Tony accused me of. No. Um, I was at the Diamond Retailer Summit, and I was talking to the retailers there, and I said, hey, there's a book coming out that Source Point Press is doing with Twisted. And I said, this book is going to be a really big deal. Uh, I know there's a juggalo bias. I'm telling you right now, the book is good. The art's amazing. It's not a Juggalo book, but even if it is, Juggalos buy comics. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they fucking do. Yeah. And I said, and they will come to your stores looking for this book. Please stock up. Please trust me. Order this book. Some stores did. They were really happy because they sold out. Mm -hmm. Some stores didn't. And then when all these people start showing up at their stores, new readers who said, hey, I want to pick up Haunted Hions, and they didn't have it, people are crashing the gates of SourcePoint saying, hey, can we get this book? Can we get this book? And, you know, when you're a smaller publisher, you, we, uh, SourcePoint, we do not overprint to the point of absurdity. We do not pulp the books and call it a tax write-off. You know, I mean, we will print the amount that will sell between cons and store orders, and then that's it. And even the con tables with source points moving more and more strictly to trade paperbacks at this point. So what happened is we started selling out of the print run by issue three, which uh, our editor, Drina Joe, will be the first to tell you that that was the first one. Her name was in the book, and it started selling out, so make of that what you will. <laughs> but uh, we, we started... Sorry, boss. <laughs> but, uh, it, but what happened was uh, Haunted Hyatt started selling out everywhere. And it got to the point where we literally did not have enough stock to, to fill orders. I mean, we sold out. And the question is, well, do we go back to print on the issues? But at that point, a lot of the fans had gone to the stores. It wasn't there. You know, getting them back to the stores was going to be tricky. And I like to run my re-Kickstarters in October. And uh, so I, I talked to Travis McIntyre, Source Point, and, and Josh Warner, and I said, hey, what if we do the Kickstarter for Twisted right when the book ends, which would be in October? Now, mind you, we'd been planning on doing the Tales of Mystery Omnibus for a while now, you know, and, we, and uh, I was getting all that set up and stuff like that. He goes, what about, the, what about Reeve? What about this big, giant omnibus you want to do, you know? 
That was a true Midwest thing to say, big giant. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I get it. But I said, if we want to have the, the Twisted book out, the trade paperback, it have it at Astronomicon in February, and the book sold out now, I said, let's, let's take it to Kickstarter. So Travis, now if you know Travis, you know he's got that big, ugly red beard. And he sits there, he's stroking it, he's like, hmm. Well, yeah, you know, it could work. I'm like, please don't tell me that a Kickstarter could work if I'm going to run it. Uh, I know what I'm doing. Now, again, not taking for granted, not being cocky, but I know how to put together a campaign. Oh, yeah, you've I, I, had very successful Kickstarter campaigns. Yeah. So, now, the next phase of this operation, though, is going to twist it about it. Because say what you will about Twisted, they have not been around for 20 years by being idiots. Unlike me, who has been around for 20 years by being an idiot. Yeah, but you're, <laughs> you're the smarter of all the idiots that are around you, like us. He's head idiot. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm like the tallest midget, right? You know, so, um, and in the, in the world of music, Kickstarter is a very different animal. Uh, a lot of musicians use Kickstarter basically for begging. You know, if, you, if we can raise $30,000, we'll record a new album. And I see a lot of comic creators do this as well. And it's just not the way to go about things. It's not a good look. It's not just no. It's to kickstart. It's to help you fund a thing mm -hmm. if people are engaged in it. So I had to do a lot of work with Twisted to kind of get their heads around the fact that Kickstarter is a huge distribution platform for comic books, you know. Uh, there's also the Diamond factor in there as well, you know, because the book sold out through Diamond. You know, Diamond, of course, wants to get the trade paperback. But again, then you're running into the problem again of are the comic stores going to order the trade, the $15, $20 trade paperback of this book that they wouldn't even order $3 issues on? Mm -hmm. You know, again, this is the glamorous side of it, all the work that goes into all this. <laughs> so I'm working on Twisted, working on Twisted. And, and, and uh, Jamie and Paul and George and Mike, Jamie and Paul being twisted, I've seen George and Mike are two kind of the, the, the manager, and they, they kind of help count the beans and things like that. We talked about this a lot, and they finally said, and we finally got them there. And I said, look at my past campaigns. Look what I just did with the Harp Twins. I said, look at the Nightmare World Omnibus. Uh, look at Tales of Mystery Volume 4. I said, I, we can do this if we do it right, and we're not exploiting people. We're not out there with a tin cup begging for change on a corner. We will offer people an exclusive product that will only be available through the Kickstarter. And they finally both signed off. You know, um, Jamie and Paul both have very different, divergent personalities uh, behind closed doors as well as, as when they perform. And uh, they finally said, okay, Dirk, we trust you. We're going to do this. So what I ended up doing was running the Twisted campaign then in October – and then bouncing back the Tales of Mystery Omnibus to November, which running a Kickstarter isn't a ton of work. Mm -hmm. And even when you have mm -hmm. the infrastructure, like with SourcePoint Press, who's an absolutely amazing publisher to work with, and, and, and they know what they're doing, and then you have my ex, my limited expertise in this, and then you have the, the promotional machine of a of a, of a a record label behind you as well to help promote this and things like that. Um, it, it's still a lot of work. And it also, I also realized it meant I would be running basically back to back Kickstarters. 
And I'm not going to lie. A part of me said, well, let me do re in October and then do Twisted in November. And we could probably still make the deadline work. You know, we could make it work. But I realized running a campaign for a 550-page omnibus could suck the money out of the room. You know, as opposed to the Twisted book, which I'm going to be real, and, and, and this is just, this again, just keeping it real. In fact, there's a ton of people I had to drag Twisted or twisting and kicking and screaming, no pun intended, <laughs> to check out Haunted High Ons because of the Juggalo stereotype. Oh, this is a Juggalo book. I'm like, no, it's a good book, and if you like the other stuff I've read, you might want to read this. And people read it, and they're like, wow, this is this is pretty funny. It's like adult Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it's not it's not 22 pages of guys in face paint running around yelling whoop whoop and spraying each other with Fago. That's not what this book is, you know. This is not the and – and, and Brian Polito is a friend of mine – this is not the Chaos Comics ICP comic from the 90s. It's a whole different animal. And we ended up really exceeding expectations on Twisted, which now in November, we're running the Tales Mystery Omnibus. We got funded in three days, so I'm super excited about that. And now it's just a, a stretch goal party. But because we're friends and I'm going to go into full disclosure mode yet again, mm. it's interesting because – in the la- right before we were launching the campaign, I had some very interesting opportunities with mystery fall into my lap. That uh, it's interesting, you know. And 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 I and I decided to pull the trigger. We got funded, and now I'm just continuing to weigh out which direction we're going to go in with what's next and some of these other opportunities that have come up. You know, um, I know a lot of people want us to get to the Mystery Bible uh, mm-hmm. edition as well, mm-hmm. which I say that tongue in cheek. Some people, that, you know, that uh, have religious sensitivity are like, you can't call it a Bible. Like, it's <laughs> kind of like, it's a gag. Look, it's not really a Bible. It's a big leather bound book. It's like the definitive version of the book. You know, it's okay. It's okay, everybody. I'm not, you know, not trying to be sacrilegious. Uh, it's tongue in cheek. It's literally about a guy who fights the devil. You know, it's like it's about a, you really want to be holy about it. How much holier do you get than that? You know, did, did Jesus punch out the devil? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was a pacifist. Probably not. Turn the other cheek. Yeah. Look up what that really means. Not you, but you know. Uh, but anyway, I will not get theological in this discussion either. So, yeah, so now, here we are in November. Uh, we got funded in three days for the Tales of Mystery Omnibus, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, Jim freaking Obar did the cover. Oh, nice. Yeah, James Obar from The Crow. Um, a f- gorgeous, gorgeous, fully painted cover. And, you know, The Crow is one of the first comics I ever read. It is one of the comics that got me into comics. It is probably the book I own more versions of than anything. Um, and to have, you know, Jim O'Barr get the riff with him on doing the cover and then own the original painting for the cover. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was my Christmas present to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what's really funny is for the cover of the book, again, I'm on this tour and we're putting all this stuff together because I put so much emphasis into the twisted thing, getting that going like, Oh crap. Now I got to really get this re stuff going. And I feel bad, you know, because it's like I almost feel like I neglected the re-campaign a little bit because of all the, the back work that goes into doing this. And I was, you know, Jim Abar told me he would do the cover. Cool, cool, cool. And I was kind of like, hey, 
we're launching in a couple weeks. Sure would be nice to have like the cover of the book, you know. <laughs> but he he was you know he had in queue and he goes I goes I'm actually working on it today. He and I'm at Ace Chicago when this happens and he goes yeah read my project for today and I'm like awesome and he goes can you send me a thumbnail but he goes I know you described it for me but send me a thumbnail of what you have in mind friends I'm at Ace Chicago. I'm selling books. I'm talking to people at this big mega show in Chicago. And then behind my table on the piece of paper from like the little notepad from the hotel, I am sketching out a thumbnail of the cover <laughs> to give to Jim O'Barr, who made the freaking crow, who made the book that got me into comic books. What I love is is that you were sketching out a drawing because I've seen Yeah, I don't know your... how he got to where he did <laughs> yeah. from your drawing. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to send you all later um, the actual uh, picture of the sketch I did because I told him what it looked like and it was funny too because he said and what actor would you envision to play Mister E and I said uh, Rockman Dunbar who was um, uh, um, I just uh, Officer Roosevelt from Sons of Anarchy. You know, he is the guy. When I first saw him in Southern America, I shut up off the couch and I'm like, that's Mr. Ree. Like, that, <laughs> that, that, that kind of like that slightly like sully, uh, doughy kind of look and stuff like that. And I sent him the picture of uh, Rockman Dunbar. And uh, I'm at, a, again, I'm at a Chicago and he sends me back a response. And it's a picture of him, basically like a modeling shot of him almost totally naked. And he's like, can he be naked? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm freaking out because I'm at the show and I'm like, James Omar is busting my balls right now when I'm at work knowing that I'm stressing out on the deadline. So I told him, I said, that can be the Kickstarter, like, triple exclusive cover. He kind of laughed, whatever. And then the guy is such a master. Um, three hours later, or three, four hours later, I had the painting. You know, wow. he did a little thumbnail of it and stuff like that. And then we did, you know, then the final. I'm trying to find right now the... Uh... It's always interesting when you have someone so good at their craft. You're, like, freaking out. You're like, oh, my gosh, we got deadlines. You know, for me, I'd be thinking, okay, so it would probably take me, you know, a months. month to do this, months. So maybe he can get it done in a week, and then he performs it in four hours. He's like, ah, yeah, I saw your chicken scratch on the... <laughs> hotel napkin and looks good yeah yeah exactly he sent me a couple little sketches and we were off to the races um and then you know again speaking of covers too like seth the moose and uh, anthony d lee the uh the, the the rapper on they did for the slip case again just just incredible work man just everyone really has brought their a-game to this book and it's just been so amazing you know anthony delia i've been working with him for the past year recoloring all of volume one of uh of tales of mystery you know so like this will be the only place you can get volume one in color okay here i found the picture and i'm going to send it to you uh tony do you have access to your facebook by yep. chance i think that this this drawing that you did should have been made a like a stretch goal like <laughs> I will show the public. I you will get a copy well, of I'll this print. I, I I because we're all friends. I'm going to send it to you right now, on the agreement that you don't show it to anybody. Okay. Oh yes, I. 
Okay. I all I enjoy having things that other people don't have. So. <laughs> well, you're about to. So here. Okay, Tony. I I, I oh. just sent you on Facebook the sketch I sent him. Yep, I got it. Okay. Wow. And then here. Wow. And then, then there's the final cover he did. I just sent you that too. That looks like a um. <laughs> I love your. I mean, like I know it's machine. Just, I know it's re because of the he's symbol. Got the, he's got the head tattoo. <laughs> it's amazing like, and should be a stretch goal. Like, turn that into. It's kind of like a gumball machine with the eyes. <laughs> but I mean, to then get. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. he's J- James O'Barr is definitely the master. Seeing the seeing the original. Like, this is what I want it to look like to the finished product is that is... Magic. That is magic, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, he is truly a master, you know. <laughs> this is why I do not do uh, thumbnails very much anymore. I, I call it... The, 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 there's like a better one. Yeah, it's functional drawing yes, is what yes, I call it. Yes. It's like you can tell what's going on. Yes. You know, you can even notice my little notes on there, like move this down for logo or whatever and, you know... It's like but, visuals. It's a storyboarding, basically. Yeah, or waterboarding, yeah. whatever. Two birds, one stone. Yeah. A last minute stretch right? Original, original sketch. I, I actually still have it. Um, but you should definitely frame yeah. it and put it next on to... your wall, right next to the painting. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I should put it all in one frame. Yeah, like the original and then that. Yeah. That would oh, be amazing. Wow. So, Dirk, I own all four volumes of Mystery, so why would I want the Omnibus? You know, that is a question a couple people have asked, and and the biggest thing, there's two reasons. One, we've gone back and we're offering volume one in full color, so that's the first thing. Uh, And and I'll be showing off here in the next week on Kickstarter, again, now that I am am back and and home, uh, or off the road at least. Um. Volume one is now has been completely recolored because issues are volumes two, three, and four. Anthony D. Lee colored pretty much everything, and volume one is in black and white. So what we've done is we've gone through, and uh, Anthony D. Lee has totally recolored all of volume one, and to make the whole book look consistent. So it's just really fantastic. And other than that, kind of like we did with the mystery, uh, uh, the Nightmare World Omnibus, we got higher paper quality, so the colors and everything pops a little bit more. We've just remastered, touched everything up a little bit. And just to make it the nice, big, definitive version of the book. Uh, the biggest takeaway is going to be, again, the fact that you can only get volume one in color in the omnibus, which is something I, I kind of wrestled with, too, because I'm not the type of guy that likes to double dip. However, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I have all the Hellboy Omnibus editions. I have the Goon Library. You know, I have a couple versions of The Crow, uh, the Walking Dead hardcovers, you know. Um, And there's something to be said for having that nice hardcover uh, version of the book. And with the color version of Volume 1, I I really like Volume 1 in black and white. Austin McKinley and then Sean Burris did a phenomenal job grayscaling that. And I don't want to erase it. I don't want to erase the original vision of Volume 1 of Tales of Mystery, that black and white film noir vibe. I don't want, I don't want to delete that from the history books, you know. I don't want to uh, 
totally George Lucas, what Malarkey or whatever it is that Greedo says now. McClunky. Monkey or whatever he says. <laughs> yeah, you know, Han shot first, the end, you know. <laughs> so what I decided to do is for the single edition trade paperback, I'm going to keep the black and white version. However, in the omnibus, offer it in full color. So you really get a consistent reading experience. That aside, the art's going to be bigger. I mean, Sud the Moose drew most of the whole, most of the book. His art's amazing. And mm-hmm. even to get the upsize his art and to get to see it in that bigger format, also amazing. And then just general touch-ups here and there, you know, and the better. It's like, I, I, I kind of, I guess to close out the analogy, I use it this way. The trade paperbacks are the DVD. The, heart, the omnibus is the Blu-ray. DVDs are really nice. But it's even nicer sometimes to have a Blu-ray. That's true. You know, and really what it comes down to, you know, then you can lend out your books as the, the reading copies and things like that, oh, you know, or whatever. So I see. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> you sold me. One more pledge. <laughs> now, uh, Actually, and I did offer like some nightmare. I found I had a box of Nightmare World Bibles. I offered some of those. Those all disappeared and stuff like that. So. You know, but but yeah, mainly that's the thing. It's it's a definitive edition of the work. You know, uh, and we're moving ahead on mystery. You know, volume five is in production right now. You know, so this is just Act One in one large, oversized deluxe hardcover. Now, one of the things I love about Kickstarter is stretch goals. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of extra for everyone that's you know joining on in, and where how do you decide to kind of do your stretch goals? Like, are these all your ideas? Do you collaborate with everyone else? Does someone else say, Hey, this is, you know, a cool idea that we can throw in there. You know, with Kickstarters like this, I mean, it's a little bit different with something like hope or with Cthulhu jr. Where it's a co-creator owned book, but with tales of mystery, this is a book that I own. I, I pay everybody who works on the book. But then the flip side of that, of course, is is I pay everybody out. It's like okay, good luck. You know, <laughs> yeah. off to the next, they're off to the next project, or, or waiting for to to get paid again for something else. So, oftentimes, I'm largely the one that makes all those decisions and things like that. Although, like in the case of the slipcase, I talked to Seth and Anthony. I said, "Would you guys be willing to do art for a slipcase?" And they nailed it uh, as a stretch goal. Um, I try to find things that are high value. And again, to get the business side of it, low cost but high value. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't give away coffee mugs as a stretch goal, for example. They're really expensive to make and they're really expensive to ship and I would lose money. Uh-huh. So if you think about it this way, like one of the other things in the Tales of Mystery Omnibus campaign is we're offering free shipping in every book, which I'm super excited about, You know, especially because we just ran a Kickstarter. So it's like if I can do little things to help people on this one, I'm happy to do that. So what we're doing is uh, we're offering free shipping, but what ultimately that does, and any stretch goal that I add takes away from the profit margin for myself and the the publisher. It's not just about the money. It's not. However, we need to have enough money to print the books. (laughs) You know, uh, when when I have a $45,000 campaign, I'm not walking around with $45,000 in my pocket. I have to produce $45,000 worth of content, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I do, how we plan this stuff is when you do things like book plates, the book plates in and of themselves are really cool. 
they're not overly expensive, or then having Jim O'Barr agree to sign them. I'll pay him a little bit of money to sign the book, to sign the book plate. Then everyone gets a, a book plate signed by me and signed by Jim O'Barr. So now your book is autographed. It's that way that you as readers get an autographed version of the book that no one else can, can get on that, that really cool art. However, I don't have to take those 500 books or whatever it is, or 200 books, 500 books, whatever it is, and ship them off to, to wherever Jumo Bar lives to have him sign them and then ship them back. Mm-hmm. So, so you want to find cool stuff that's not going to break the bank. I've seen a lot of people lose their – I've seen people do million-dollar campaigns and lose money. Mm-hmm. It happens. Yeah, I've done panels on this with people that will tell you, you know, whether it be overseas shipping or they're over-promising, doing a hardcover – doing the signed book plates, doing the upgrades. Every time if we start to unlock the Bible edition of the Omnibus, every time we start to upgrade it with like a leather cover or things like that, that adds cost to the unit of the book. The price of the book is not going up for any of you. So with that, with that doing it, that's eating into the profit margin that we make per book. But on the flip side, I want to hook everybody up. I want to give you something awesome. So it's a, it, it, it's something I'm comfortable with. And working with Dirk Manning means you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know. I've, I've heard <laughs> you know? that. I've heard that phrase. <laughs> yeah, anybody that's ever worked with me ever can tell you that that's the case. You know. But but again, it's ultimately about rewarding the the people that are supporting this project and making it happen. Uh, as I said with the Nightmare World Omnibus. I'm not in this to make money. I'm in this to make a cool, to give everybody a cool book. I'll make my money in the back end when I go on the road and I sell the books and things like that. You know, uh, schluffing books around to Tampa, Florida, and to Grand Rapids and, and things like that. But the Kickstarter is just about getting people the coolest version of the product that we can. Cool, cool. Hey, so I was reading the the email you sent about, about this Kickstarter, and I saw that one of the things you're offering is a beanie, and I got really excited for a minute because I thought you were offering a mystery, like, beanie baby. <laughs> 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 and I was like, that's going to be the cutest thing ever. But you meant, like, a hat beanie, which is also super cool because everyone loves beanies now. So um, are you going for just, like, a whole clothing line now? Is that what's going on? The whole mystery uh, shirt hat combo. What's next? Well, you know, it was uh, <laughs> the beanies. It's like you could look like mystery without having to commit to the tattoo. Nah. You can like wear it sideways. Ah, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to do a mystery beanie forever. You yeah. know, and, and just have the sigil on it, and then you can like wear it on the side of your head. You know, and God, we just had what six inches of snow here in November, and you know, in Michigan, for example. You know, I mean, what better time than to get a beanie? Right. Um, and, and the shirts I like doing because I like doing high-quality shirts that – and again, doing the Kickstarter-exclusive perk of having them be glow-in-the-dark. You know, that's the only way you can get the glow-in-the-dark version. It's just something cool, you know. And uh, when I was with Devil's Due, we did the Sigil shirt. And and Josh Ross, if you're out there, I'm not busting your balls too hard on this. But I will say that Devil's Due helped produce a shirt with the mystery Sigil on it, and I never got one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, send me a shirt. And he's like, you could buy one. Oh I'm like, what? You How have a mystery shirt. Dare you. You're telling me to buy. You can't send me one fucking shirt with my brand on it? With my guy? Really? 
I never got that shirt. So I said, fine, I'm he, making it now. He's probably got five at home he never wears. He's just holding on to them. They're, they're, all, they're all extra medium. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, you, me- you mentioned tattoos um, <clears throat> or the mystery uh, tattoo. Have you f- had any fan get a tattoo, show you their tattoos? Several. Yeah, yeah, there's several mystery tattoos out there. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, there's some up his face. Uh, there's some people that have the sigil. Uh, in fact, in volume five of, of Tales of Mystery, uh, the, the tattoo thing is going to start to come up more and more. Um, I don't want to spoil things for people that haven't read volume four of mystery yet, but, uh, Tales of Mystery volume five starts act two of the three act play that's mystery. And at the end of act one, things get very public. Um, and mystery kind of wakes up in this new world where, uh, he has a little more notoriety than he did before, which he's not very comfortable with. And one aspect of that's going to be the tattoo. So, uh, but yeah, in real life, people do have mystery tattoos. It's a cool design, you know, uh, and it's it's just uh, yeah, it, it's pretty it's pretty flattering. Uh, have it's any much of the better... tattoos been glow in the dark tattoos? <laughs> I just want to be unique when I get mine, so I just want to know what I can do to up the game on top of that. Else. Would be amazing. <laughs> I will, I will, I will kill you in order of the books if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have the, the highest beanie, honor. It is the, the glow, highest honor. The glow yeah. and dark beanie, you know, glow in the dark. I'll just right. get all of them. All blinged out. Yeah, the beanie's not glow in the dark. The, the shirts are. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't look into enough if I could do a glow in the dark beanie because it's it's sewn. Uh, the question, I guess, become if you get glow in the dark string. Mm-hmm. But then do that, you'd have to, like, radiate a spider. But then if it bites you, <laughs> it's a it, big yeah. Then you might be Spider-Man. Then you might be Man of Spiders. Who knows? Right, exactly. You could be just like a, a sack of skin made up of spiders. Yes. It's a 50-50 chance. It might be great. It might be terrible. Exactly. Well, Derek, uh, like I said, you already said, too, this uh, Kickstarter has already been kickstarted. Yeah, Is yeah, it? we're funded. We're funded. And it, it's so interesting because, like I said, there's some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff going on that's awesome. Uh, I've been teasing about a video game option. That's Ooh. not a joke. Um, yeah, so stay tuned. Yeah, the book is funded, but people can go to uh, you know, to, to kickstarter.com. Just type in RE, R-H-E-E. Uh, that gorgeous slipcase I'm hoping we get to unlock by Seth the Moose and Anthony D. Lee's to cover image. You can see the cover by Jim O'Barr. Uh, and, and check it out. Free shipping. Basically, anything you order that includes an omnibus is free shipping. So the price you see is what you pay. Because this is going to be a big book. 550 pages, to put this in perspective, if you have the Nightmare World Omnibus or the Nightmare World Bible, the re-omnibus is 100 pages bigger than oh, wow. that. That's a pretty big book. I mean, that's a lot of pages <laughs> for what the the pledge to get the big book. That's uh, 80? 80 bucks. Yeah, and that's out the door with shipping. That's hella good. And it is, yeah, I, so, I'm not out to rob people, you know. A <laughs> uh, hundred pages for eighty bucks isn't sound like a bad deal, but the fact that it's a hundred extra yeah. pages really. Five hundred and fifty pages for 80 bucks. Five hundred and fifty yeah. pages. That's fourteen cent, fourteen point five cents a page. That's not bad. Color. <laughs> How do you know math so quickly? Color. I have a big, calculator. Size, nice paper stock. <laughs> it's going to be a compendium to the Nightmare World. Uh, omnibus is what it's going to do. Uh, it'll look real good on your bookshelf sitting right next to it. Super cool. 
Now I just need to get a bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> or a built tree. Or whatever. You know, uh, a nice bathroom. A little like, uh, you know. Ooh, that'd be the... perfect bathroom reading. <laughs> yeah, like, your legs would go numb. It's sitting on your legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dirk, uh, thank you for uh, joining us and uh, being you because you are one of the best people to uh, ever interview. Uh, where can uh, people find you at? Uh, off the road right now. <laughs> no. um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Dirk Manning. Look for the guy at the top at the scarf. Uh, my, the Facebook group, uh, the Friends of Dirk Manning support group on Facebook is kind of where I share a lot of exclusive stuff there. My uh, touring schedule for 2020 will be going up soon at DirkManning.com. And... Uh, I know, and many, many, many past episodes of this show, although it has been a while, and I don't want it to be this long again. We will definitely uh, make sure that doesn't happen. Yes. Yeah. Our bad. No, I, and, no, there's, no, there's no bad. We've all been busy. It's, fine. <laughs> it's just nice to, you know, I mean, Honestly, I just busy. don't want to hang out with Tony, like, on an extra day of the week. <laughs> I, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I don't blame you. Like, but I did it for you, Dirk, so. Well, Linz, I appreciate you very much. And, and we'll have plenty of things to talk about in 2020. Um, I've kind of lined up my release schedule for 2020. There's some really cool stuff coming out. So we will have opportunities. Excellent. Awesome. All right. Well, until then, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.